start clapping our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, the Casey Crew. Give it up for DJ Envy and Gio! How y'all doing? Y'all all right? Gears on time today. Now, no disrespect to anybody in the front. I don't have any underwear on, so if I flash you, just telling you, just let me know. We all here family, just be like, oh, oh my eat. God. Just cross your legs, close your legs a little bit. I'll try to keep myself together. How y'all doing tonight? Oh we appreciate you guys for joining us. Coming out, happy Valentine's Day to everybody happy out there. Happy Valentine's Day! Now, they asked why we started this podcast. Why we started doing a relationship podcast. And as you see, if you listen to the podcast, we kind of been through everything. I mean, the first time we met, uh, you know, Gia getting attacked and having stitches. To the weed story, you heard the weed story where I gave you? It wasn't weed, it was an edible. It might have been cocaine, it was something more than weed. It was an edible. You know, we pretty much been through everything. So we were laying in bed one day, right? Yeah. And we were like, if people really seen our relationship and seen a lot of the fucked up shit that we've been through, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, because when you see people sometimes on TV, everything looks hunky-dory, like everything is all good. But if you've been in a relationship or you're in a relationship, you know shit ain't all good all the time. So we said, let's talk about it. And we started talking about it. And it seems like it helps people. It gets people through their relationship. It opens up dialogue and conversation. Absolutely. So today, we talked about everything on our podcast. Everything but cheating. So it's only right. Y'all know why I'm not in my head like this. Because y'all crammed our emails and my DMs with cheating questions. And I know that you guys have been waiting for us to talk about it. And I know it's been awkward that we haven't as yet. But the reason why is because we wanted to wait for the right time. And we didn't want people to start listening to the podcast because they wanted the dirt, because they wanted the details. We wanted people to tune in because they were actually interested in what we had to say about life, love, and relationships. And we wanted to see if it was going to work. Like, would people actually listen? Are people actually going to enjoy it? Is it actually going to help people? And then by the responses that we were getting via social media and the email, we're like, wow, we're actually doing something good by being so open and honest and transparent. And we decided that since you guys came out, you left your house, you left your families, you paid for your tickets, that we wanted to share it with you guys tonight. So. so I'm just putting this out there. I'm a crier. So if you see me getting a little emotional, I am a crier. All right? So now, you know, I know. He said, I ain't doing nothing wrong, but I'm a crier. So let's start off with, of course, cheating. You know, and the first question, I know fellas is like, damn, Envy, why this one? Why you brought me here to this? Damn. <laughs> Not tonight. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Yeah, it ends good. We're still together. It ends good. So we, you know, said, you know, Why? And my answer was, because I could. And with that answer being said, as I could, is it was easy, you know? I've been with Gia for over 20 years, 16. She was 16 years old. I was 15. Oh, she you was were 15, 16. I was 16. 
She was the second person I ever kissed. I used to have glasses. I used to have braces. So I wasn't the fly guy that I am now. I wasn't <laughs> Self-proclaimed fly guy. I wasn't, I wasn't that guy. So, you know, growing up, I didn't have the girls, the women. It wasn't like that when I was a kid. For a lot of people, it was. But for me, it wasn't. So when I got to an age and I got into the, the industry and I started making money, it was a different situation. Now those women that I would see in the videos and the Jay-Z videos and the this videos and the that videos, now they're smiling at me. They like the kid with the glasses and the braces. So it was like, oh, it made me feel good. And not only that, you know, Gia didn't know anything about social media. When I say nothing, she didn't know a Twitter, she didn't know a MySpace, she didn't know Facebook, she didn't know Black Planet. She didn't know He's taking nothing. it back. <laughs> she didn't know nothing. So that because it was easy, I could. And it had that no- that that explanation always bothered me because I could. So when he told me that, it was kind of like and Can't help I was sitting now. there like I'm not a big cursor, but I was like, the fuck? Like, because you could. I mean, and I know that it was easy for you because I was so disconnected from your life. And it's kind of like he had two separate lives. He had the perfect husband and father at home, and then he had DJ Envy in the club. And I didn't realize that there were two different people that I was dealing with. I had no idea because I'm at home, I'm with the kids, I'm at soccer, basketball, swimming, dance, gymnastics. Oh my gosh, you should have seen the backflip that Madison did today. She's learning this, she's on the bars. And that was a life that I was living. So a lot of times people say, oh, there weren't any red flags. For me, there really weren't. I don't want to say any, but there weren't many red flags. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He was loving. He was affectionate. He communicated. He was sweet. He was generous. All of these things that, you know, you have your list. He was checking all of the boxes. And my friends even looked at us like, wow, you have the perfect husband. And I had no idea. So when he says, because I could... I don't know if you're irritated hearing that, but I was irritated hearing it because it kind of felt like, oh, so I was just, like, it was that simple? Like, that's your explanation because you could? First of all, this is not a woman's rally. I hear you women in. <laughs> this, this is not a woman. I, I see women like, yeah, look. I love you not, girls. This is not a woman's rally. This is, we're not marching against Trump today. Look, we are here together, all right? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You, right. I just wanted to interject and just say, because I felt that little bite when you just said that. Go ahead. All right. So, because I thought I could. <laughs> so now, now with the relationship, like, it wasn't anything about my relationship. It wasn't the fact that Gia was lacking in anything. It wasn't, she wasn't giving me the right mental or the right education or the right cooking or the sex, you know, the sex was always amazing. My baby got that wet, wet. So it was, everything was amazing. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, I try to, you know, I, we, I do things to spice it up. Like, fellas, every once in a while, you open up the window, stick a head out, hit a back shot. You do things like that to spice up the relationship. Well, we all grown in here. We do crazy stuff. So it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the fact 
that I could. And see, with Gia, Gia never checked my phone, never went through emails, never really asked, you know, what I was doing. Hey, you going to the club, All right, baby? Be safe. Call me when you get there. It was, it was very easy. It wasn't very difficult. So that which was- turned around and spited me in the end because the way that his schedule works is he might have a show. He'll leave the house at eleven o'clock. Then he has to be on the radio at 5.30 to prep for a six o'clock show. So he might have two clubs in the city. And he would be like, all right, babe, I'm gonna come home. And I'd be like, no, why don't you get a hotel in the city so you can have a good night's sleep, rest, relax. I made it so easy because I absolutely trusted him. So it came back, yes, it was full trust. It's that thing that we all say that we want. Like in your perfect relationship, you don't want your girl sniffing through your emails. You don't want her checking your phone when you're in the shower. You don't want her doing all these things that exhibit distrust. Maybe I should have did that with you. (laughs) But in an ideal world, you know, you don't promote that. But I didn't know that I was in a situation where that would have benefited me. So it came back spiting me in a sense. Continue. Right. So... I was out there, I was in the clubs, and I, I thought I was enjoying life. And people say, well, why? And I, and I had to break it down. And after breaking it down, after hours of conversations, and hours of arguments, and hours of sleeping on the floor, and hours of sleeping in the car, you know, we would just talk. And I realized, and this is going to sound crazy, I didn't really know the definition of love when you say you love somebody. He just came to that conclusion like a month ago. Nah, but it's when I saw that the ticket sales were going up, I said, you know what? I think that this is what we should talk about that day. And um, we had a conversation about love. And he swore up and down, no, I always loved you. I always loved you. I always loved you. And I said, the problem is, and where we're having a disconnect is, you don't really understand what love is. Because when you truly love somebody, you don't hurt them. Not, not, and, and, and you don't, it's not even that you don't hurt them for their sake. You don't hurt them because you don't want to engage in that be- behavior. So you end up not hurting them. Because it's, it's not that good if you're like, damn, I'd love to cheat, but I don't want to hurt shorty. Like, you know, that's, that's not what you want either. You know what I mean? So, go ahead. But I looked at it a little different. <laughs> See, I looked at it like, I love her. I love her so much, I'm not going to get caught. That's how I really looked at it. I was like, I, I love her, but I'm going to make sure I don't get caught so she doesn't really get that pain. <laughs> That's right. horrible. But That's horrible what you just said. But, I mean, it was the truth. That's how I looked at it, but I didn't realize, like, <laughs> if I truly, really love and really care about this person, you really don't want to hurt this person. I didn't really see that to way, way later. It wasn't real love. Just for the record, in my opinion, it wasn't really love the true definition of love he believed it was but you know if some of you are in similar types of relationships it might be something that you want to step back and think about you know if i'm hurting the person that i'm with if if i'm engaging in this kind of behavior do i love this person or if you're on the receiving end of it you really have to take stock stock and understand well does this person really love me you know so that was the reason why and that was what I did, and now the way that I got caught was 
Gear has the illest game face and poker face ever. I think you call it intuition. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm do. I'm glad I you do. can laugh about it now because four years ago, there was no smile, there was no laughing. But mm-hmm. I, I think you should tell them how you found out. Okay, I'm going to be real, y'all. This is what happened. <clears throat> Rashawn did a photo shoot for some magazine, like cars and all that stuff, and I wanted to see the pictures. So I did something that I may have never done before. I Googled his name because I was hoping that the pictures would come up. And Breakfast Club stuff came up. His wiki came up. All these things came up. And then a blog came up. And in the description was his name and a sentence. So I clicked on it. Okay. It was two females going back and forth exchanging insults. It was like a little cat fight. And in one line, in that cat fight, his name was mentioned. He was good, but I'm going to continue. His name was mentioned. I sat on it for about a day. I wanted to figure out how I was going to deal with it, how I was going to approach him. I didn't want to insult him by asking him anything crazy. I brought it to him. I showed it to him. I said, here, read that. He read it. He told me about my game. Fellas, what do you do when you get accused of something? Deny, deny, deny. I denied. I know who, I don't know who fuck that bitch is. I don't know why they talking about me. They might have got me confused with some other DJ whose name starts with the E. I was like, word? He was like, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. But I knew that that was going to be his reaction because ever since day one, he always knew that if he ever got caught up in some messiness, that I would leave. And I was so proud ever since I was a teenager that it didn't mean, it didn't matter if I had to cry my face in a pillow every day and be distraught and unhappy for the rest of my life to not be with him, I would have done it. I would have done it because I always said that I would. So he knew that. So I knew that he would deny it. But I just wanted to see how it panned out. And then I let it rest. Then things started happening. We would go to dinner. And I would bring up that hypothetical situation about cheating. And every time that I did, he would make a left turn, change the subject. But if you're an honest person that's doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'd engage in conversation because it's just like any other conversation that we might potentially have, right? Then the Tiger Woods scandal happened. And it was so interesting. So (laughs) I remember sitting at a sushi restaurant and I'm like, yo, (laughs) isn't this crazy? And he's like, yeah, why do you want to bring all this negativity to dinner tonight? I was like, something ain't right about this. And it was that intuition. It was that intuition. It kept knocking at the door for me just based on this one line in that blog. So fast forward, maybe a matter of months. And I said, you know what? I need to find out because I can't let it go. I don't have any friends that party with him. My friends aren't on social media. I got no in. I got no in. I have no way to find out if it's true or not. 
So I said, all right, I'm going to design a plan, and I'm going to commit. I'm not going to go halfway. I'm going to jump in with no life vest. And one day, I was on my way home from the city, and he called me. And he was like, where are you? I was like, I'm on my way home. Where are you? He was like, I'm on my way home, too. I'm like, all right, I know that you haven't really slept much, so set aside some time, because we need to talk. I hate that. We need to talk is the worst ever. When a woman says, we need to talk, run. He was like, we'll talk about what? I'm like, "Mm, don't worry about it. We'll talk when we get home. Just set aside, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so. He was like, where you at? I was like, "Um, I'm on Route 17. We live in Jersey. I was like, I'm on Route 17. He was like, I'm about 10 minutes away from the house, too. Stay right there. Pull over. I was like, pull over where? He was like, what are you next to? I'm like a Home Depot. He's like, I'll meet you there in 10 minutes. He pulled up in like six and a half. He gets out of his car, hops in my car. What I didn't tell Gia is, see, when you're cheating, it makes you feel like your wife is cheating, so you extra on her. So she didn't know I had to find the iPhone app on my phone, so I always knew where she was. So when she said, I'm 10 minutes away, I'm right right behind you. (laughs) Go ahead. So... It's crazy. A little dysfunctional, but it, it works. It works. So he gets in my car. He's like, what's going on? Did I do something? Did I upset you? What's wrong? What's the problem? I was like, yeah, so um, I'm divorcing you. And he was like, his face, and he had a little tan, but his face turned pale white. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, so I came across some information that is reliable, and um, I know that my suspicions have been confirmed, and I'm divorcing you. I called a lawyer, and um, right now, I don't really need you to confirm or deny. We just need to figure out. We have to take you know, a right or a left. We need to figure out, are you going to be honest? Are you going to admit to it so that we can move forward with love, kindness, and respect? Or are you going to deny it? And then we can just take a negative path and then it'll affect us and how we interact and our children and our family. I'm like, I don't need details. I don't need, I just want to know how you want to move forward. He was speechless. He said nothing for about a minute. He's like, I don't know why you would even come to me with this. I would never. I love you so much. I don't know who told you that, but she's a lying bitch. Deny, deny, deny. I kid you not. We sat in that car for at least two hours with him denying everything. And at first he was relatively calm, but when the calmness didn't work. He was like, all right, maybe if I get hyphy, you know, maybe if I, I up the ante, maybe then she'll, she'll start believing me. Suddenly he starts yelling and screaming, banging the windshield, the dashboard, shaking, shaking the steering wheel. I can't believe you would accuse me of, and I was like, dude, it's not working. You're, you're still on this? Get out. I got to go home and tell your mother. <laughs> because his mother, now mind you, let me set the stage a little bit. I'm three months pregnant at this point. Yeah, so I was three months pregnant with London. 
Um, and I was finding out about something that had happened two years prior. So at that point, four years ago, I was finding out about old news. So from today, this happened six years ago. Um, and his mother was at my house because Christmas was about two weeks away, and she was helping me prepare because we were having a big Christmas celebration that we were hosting. So I was like, well, I need to go to the house and because we're not having Christmas anymore. Like, Christmas is over this year. Like, there's going to be no Christmas, you know? And he was like, all right, all right, all right. Let's talk. I'm like, oh, who doesn't hate talking now? So he confessed. He came clean. And I said, okay, I understand. In the back of my mind, I was like, wow, this shit actually worked. Because I knew nothing. <laughs> actually, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. Like, I knew nothing. I had one line on a blog. I was completely clueless, but I friggin' committed. I committed. And he believed me. Lord, I'm not happy about lying, but that might be one that you said, I'll give you that. <laughs> so, after a lot of crying in the car and um, a lot of sadness, I said, you know, I love you, but I can't be married to you anymore. So, thank you for being honest eventually, but, you know, we have to go home and kind of explain why we're not going to have Christmas and all these things to the kids. At the time, it was just Madison and Logan. So he gets out of the car and he sits on the curb and the glaring image that I have from that day is pulling out of the parking lot and looking in my rearview mirror with him sitting on the curb. curb. So I went home and his mother was upstairs in my house and I went to her and I was like, Mama, um, yeah, so you can stop all of this. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, so we're not having Christmas here this year anymore. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, so me and Rashawn are getting a divorce. And she fell against the wall. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, Rashawn cheated. And I found out just now. I just left him. He's probably going to be home in about five minutes behind me. Um, so... And she was on the same thing. Whoever told you that is lying. Mom is riding. He would never do that to That's you. That's what mom is supposed to do. He loves you and those kids more than life itself. There you he go. eats, sleeps, and he wouldn't even have time to do something like that because he works so much for you and this family. Mom Dukes. Baby. Baby. I was like. Baby, baby. Oh. Other side, other side, other side. Thank you. It's still there? Right here, right here. A little more. All right, you good. You good, you good. The end, all right. Good. So, <laughs> wouldn't you love that? Okay. Oh, boy. So, I said, yeah, but for the fact that he just admitted it. So then he walks in, and we were outside my children's playroom at the time. So, he comes upstairs. And we all sit in the playroom. And he was at Logan's desk, and my mother-in-law was at Madison's desk, and I was on a bench in the center. And he tells his mother what happened. <clears throat> and then he started to cry. You said cry three times. They knew I was crying. 
They knew I'm crying. They knew I'm crying. I'll start start from there. So if if you ever been in a relationship and you probably been to your lowest point ever, this was my lowest point ever. There was no lower that I can go. My my wife is is pregnant. She's what at this time three months pregnant. There's no more Christmas. Our whole family's coming for Christmas. Our kids, there's no Christmas. And now my, my best friend, the love of my life, all I knew, the only person I knew since I was 15, 16, is basically saying the D word, divorce. So I was, when I say sick, sick past sick, like destroyed. Now, even though it was my fault, like I didn't expect to get caught. I didn't, but it was my fault. So now that I got caught and everything fell, it's like, my wife's like, I want a divorce. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And she's like, yes, divorce. Like, it's over. I was like, right then and there, this is probably the weakest I've ever been in my life. I never felt like I didn't want to be on earth, but at that point right there, I was like, my best friend is gone. My wife is gone. I felt fucked up. Like, bad. And I never felt that low. You know, people always talk about, that's why when we talk about divorce, not divorce, when we talk about suicide on the radio, it really hits my heart because people joke about it sometimes. But you never know what somebody's going through or how hard something's hitting somebody's life. You know, and at that point, I'm like, and this is not something you could talk to. Like, you can't call your man to be like, yo, son, she's going to divorce me. What you think? Like, that's not, it's like certain conversations you can't have with your peoples. Like, if I got jockets, I can't call you and say, yo, bro, I got jockets. What do you think? You gonna look at me like, son, you got herpes. They hang up. Like, there's certain things you just can't talk about. So there was nobody to talk about and have the discussion with. So I really felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. Like, I was like, I understand why people commit suicide. And at that point, if I wasn't here anymore, I felt like my life would have been better. My kid's life would have been better. Gia's life would have been better because they wouldn't have had to live with what I did to affect our family. So I was fucked up. And I told him right there, I was like, I can't do this no more. I was like, all them cars is going back. I'm getting rid of all, the, I'm, I'm getting rid of any debt that we have and I'm just going to leave you with a big pile and I'm out. And I said that in front of my mother. And my mother was like, well, that's, this is going to be, my mother said, well, this is going to be fucked up because if he leaves, I'm leaving too. <laughs> now this is, this is, now this is real love. Now I just told Gia, I cheated on her. And now, again, instead of saying, well, y'all motherfuckers deuces, I'll beat y'all at the funeral, she consoled us then and there. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. No, you can't do that. We're going to work this out. We're going to work this together as a team. And I'm sitting there like, I just cheated on her. And she's consoling me, and I couldn't understand it. Because if the tables were turned at that point, I might have been like, what? I'm out. But she was like, nah, I, I know who you are. I know you're a good person. I can't let this happen. I'm going to be here for you. Well, let me explain why I wasn't irate when I found out. <clears throat> if you look at our life and the, prog- the progression of things, like he said, we've been together since high school. We went to college together, not the same college, but two schools within 15 minutes of one another. We were together every single day. When I didn't have a car, he drove to my school after my last class, and then picked me up, brought me back to, to his place, and then took me back to school before my first class in the morning. Then, about a year and a half out of college, we got married. That same year, we had Madison. Two years later, we had Logan. We bought a house. He never really had the chance 
to live and experience, and neither did I, but I was okay with it. Now, at this point, his career is building. His ambition is garnering success. He's going from this radio station and he's moving into different time slots and everything that he was doing was really paying off. So now you have a young guy who is attractive, who (laughs) is making money and who didn't experience anything, anything before me and then didn't experience anything while he was with me. And now you kind of throw him in the belly of the beast. So now with his success, now he's doing clubs. Now he's in the element where this kind of behavior isn't just condoned, but it's promoted. Not only that, he's also DJing strip clubs. You know what I mean? So everything kind of was like the perfect storm for something like this to happen. So as a friend, like if he was my brother, and he told me this, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I understand, you have to apologize, you have to do this, you have to do that. So I understood, but just as his wife, who was betrayed, and who lived every day for her husband and her family and for our overall well-being, I just couldn't be married to him anymore. But I didn't just want to abandon him. I wasn't like, all right, you gotta pack your things, you gotta leave. I'm like, all right, well, take, take some time. It's gonna, the divorce is gonna take some time, you know? We'll find a place, you move out, eventually get yourself together. I needed him to get his sanity together. So what he came up with was, and he was just grasping at straws at this point. He said, give me two weeks. Give me, well, I think it was like two and a half weeks. Give me till New Year's. I want to prove to you how much I love you. I want to prove to you what you mean to me. At this point, I'm just shooting for whatever I could get at this point. I'm I'm like, like, two weeks, please, just give me two weeks. And she said, yes. I'm like, what are you going to do in two weeks? But the reason why was because I was honestly afraid that he might do something drastic. I was afraid that I might wake up one day and then he wouldn't be there. So I'm like, "If if I can take these two weeks to kind of calm him down and, I don't know, maybe pacify the situation a little bit, get a little bit of control, then... Maybe that will be the answer. So I'm like, okay, you can have two weeks. So these, so these two weeks, amazing two weeks. Now, Gia acts like these two weeks, nothing happened. That I didn't cheat. So I'm thinking, oh, we good. Like, this is, this is going to a good position, a good spot. I acted that way because I was out. <laughs> so I'm like, done. So now I can be happy. I can enjoy it. the last two weeks, last hurrah. Let's go. Right. Like we're going to the clubs. All right, whatever you want. So I'm, I'm going. I'm like two weeks good. So we, we go to the club, and, and my manager is, is talking to Gia while I'm DJing. And I guess my manager was like, how's everything going? And she's like, oh, everything is good. I'm out in like two more days. <laughs> and he was like, nah, you, you can't be out. He was, she was like, nah, I'm out. He two- was so shocked. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But he was so shocked I don't know if he thought that I was bluffing or if he thought it was BS, but in his mind, women stay with men who cheat. It's acceptable, it's the norm. And he said to me specifically, June, are you here? Him, him. June, do you remember this conversation at Shadow? Okay. (laughs) He said to me, for real? Like, look at your life. I was like, my life? He was like, 
your house, your lifestyle, your family. I was like, okay, my family. I'm like, but that closet that obviously you're referring to, you know what it is? It's about two tons of leather. You think I'm staying in a relationship for some fucking leather? Nope. I said that house, we got a bunch of rooms we don't use. I'm like, none of that means anything, June. I'm like, he ruined my life. He ruined my life. And there's nothing that you can throw into this scenario that would make it worth it. I'm like, I'm just here until the deadline and then it's over. So and then, he was so surprised. So then, drop gear off. I'm heading back to the station. I don't know this conversation. Like I said, these two weeks have been good. So I'm thinking I'm back good money. I'm thinking everything is all right. I'm, I'm good. This, that, and the other. So June calls me on the way to the station. Yo, what's up? Yeah, I'm like, what's up? We got another show. He was like, son, it's not looking good. <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? I'm like, what, we ain't got no shows? He's like, no, I spoke to Gia. I'm like, yeah, he was like, son, it ain't looking good. I'm like, speak. He was like, you got about two days, bro. And he was like, what? He said, so he, he does the, the, the kind of thing. If you want to come to my crib, you can stay in my crib for a little bit. So right then and there, I knew it was real. I was like, if she going to tell him, and Gia doesn't talk to anybody. Like, Gia doesn't have conversations with her friends, nobody. I'm like, if she tells him, it's really over. So during this time, I was really fucked up. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, I had a show on MTV. It was a, a video show. Lost that. Couldn't even do the, Like, I couldn't even do the show. It was time I was doing a breakfast club where I couldn't even do, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do breaks. I couldn't do interview. I was sleeping on the side. So that day I get to work and I'm fucked up. And um, we had to do reads and things like that. And I'm missing my cue points. I'm missing everything. So if y'all remember, Charlemagne gave me donkey today for not being focused. Right, what a friend. I'm fucked up. He gives me donkey today. So I'm so hurt. I call Gia, and I was like, can we go on a date? He and calls me on the air. I'm asleep. I'm shooting my shot again. I'm like, hello? I don't even remember what they were saying, but then I heard Angela's voice, and I'm like, we on the radio? Go ahead. And I asked, can we go on a date? And she was like... We'll talk when we get home. Nah, you're going to answer me right now. I got you live on air, millions of people listening. And that's when I just, you know, I basically apologized for everything on air in front of everybody. You know, it wasn't planned. It was just straight up and down from the heart. So I was listening and I was like, you cannot be serious. He just put our whole life on Front Street. And it's not that I'm a particularly private person, but when I have problems, I deal with them myself. I've never been the girl to call up my girlfriends and be like, what do you think? This is what just happened. I deal with everything on my own. And I'm sitting there listening to him tell the world. He didn't tell them what happened. He didn't say what he did. If any of you have heard it, if you listen back, he didn't tell people what he did. He said something like, oh, I want to apologize to my wife for not being the best husband during her pregnancy. The point that he wanted to get across was the apology. And I guess he knew that I would know what he was talking about. But I was livid. 
livid that he was talking about this. But I understood, and I knew that it was a desperate move because he knew that it was closing in on him. So I, after, after the apology on the radio, I decided, all right, well, it's time to go home. I leave work early, try to go home. I get home, and I'm thinking this is either going to be very, very good or, or very, very bad. It was very, very bad. <laughs> when I get home, she goes, all right, I'm going to be honest. We're getting a divorce. There's nothing you can say, nothing you can do. It's over. I don't want to have this conversation no more. I love you to death. We could be friends. You know, if you want to kick it to a girl, I'll go with you and show you what girls is hot. <laughs> but it's over. It's a wrap. It's done. I, I want a divorce. It's over. And I'm sitting there like, oh, shit. And I'm like, and at this point, I'm bawling. I'm crying. And I believe, this is when I believed, like, you know, before when people say, you know, if you get in an argument with your wife or your girlfriend and she goes, say something, you'd be like, yeah, all right, whatever. You'd be good in the morning. This is when I knew there was no good in the morning. There was no good in five minutes. There was no good in 10 minutes. It was a wrap. And it all hit me. And like I said, I was at my lowest. So I was like, all right, well, if this is a wrap, I'm, I don't want to be here anymore. Now, this is where you might want to get your tissues now. Why you say, oh, Lord, like that? <laughs> so this is the hardest part right here. So as me not wanting to be here anymore, I'm like, all right, I don't want to be here no more. So I locked the garage. I seen something earlier that you turn on the cars in the garage and the exhaust. So I turn on the cars and I sit in the garage, lock the door. She's trying to get in the garage. Open the door. I'm like, nope, it's a wrap. I look out the window, gear calls 911. Well, before you say that, we have a very good friend. Um, he and his wife are actually two of my best friends. They are the godparents. Well, one of they're a pair of the godparents to all of our children, Sasha and Rashid, who are here today. They flew in from L.A. for this. And when Rashawn was messing up on the radio and then he apologized, Rashid had heard about it. So he calls Rashawn to see if it was some kind of publicity stunt or if it was authentic. He told him it was authentic. So they had that conversation. While Rashawn was in the garage, and he's making light of it, but it was very, very serious. Absolutely. While he was in the garage, Rashid just happened to call. Just so happened. I mean, I know that was God, but he happened to call. And I said, Rashid, right now, Rashawn is in the garage, and all six of the cars are on. I hear them. He disabled the keypads. I don't know if he took the batteries out. I can't get in from the outside. I can't get in from this door. The windows are all locked. I can either take a bat and break the window to get in, or I don't get in. I feel like I should call the police, but I just want to make sure that this isn't an act where you know he's going to come out in 10 minutes and my local police have been to my house and some of them are married and they tell their wives and it goes through the PTA and you know I'm like I don't I don't know. He said, "Hold on." He said, "Does he have his phone on him?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me call." So he calls Rashawn in the garage. I don't know how many times he had to call, but eventually Rashawn picks up the phone and they talk. I don't really know what was said, but he called me back. He was like, Gia, call the police. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I called the police. Within three minutes, they were at my house. 
They get Rashawn and they take him away. Really take me away. No, no, like really, like, so when I see the police pull up, I go, I'm like, you're not going to put me on TV. I'm like, all right, let me go back in the house, get the police out of here. So the police is like, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm like, I'm fine. They was like, well, you're going to have to come with us. You know, it's just protocol. You have to come with us, buddy. I'm like, okay. So I'm not trying to make the six o'clock news. So I'm like, all right, we'll go. They're like, you have to lay here. So when I, they, they put me on a gurney. So now they, they got me tied to a gurney. Like, tied, like, doop, rolling me through the house, right? They put me in an ambulance and take me to the hospital, followed by all types of police cars. So now it's a movie in my small town. Police cars, everything. They take me to the hospital, right? So now I'm in the hospital. And they wanted to take my clothes. Well, we got to take your clothes. You got to take your clothes off, your shoes off. I'm like, I'm not taking nothing off. Now I'm pissed. I'm like, I don't even want to be here. So that happened about 11 a.m. So now it's 11, it's a 12, it's 1, it's 2, it's 3, it's 4, it's 5, it's 6, it's 7. I'm there all damn day. So I'm like, I got to get out of here. But they have an orderly at my door guarding me. Two of them. Two orderlies. So do you have that one stupid friend that'll do anything for you? <laughs> I have a friend named Little Sean that will do anything. So and I it's co- funny. It's funny because... While he was in the room, he just had this screw face the whole time. He kept looking down at his phone, put it away. Looking down at his phone, he put it away. He looked up at me. He kind of like snickered and smiled like, like you got me here. Now he, he's mad at me. He's mad at me because I called the loony bin on him. So, so now he's there and he's pissed off. So I call little Sean. I'm like, little Sean. I'm like, meet me at the back of the hospital in 030 minutes. I definitely said, oh, 30 minutes. <laughs> little Sean pulls up at the hospital. He goes, he didn't even ask why. That's why I love little Sean. He didn't even ask why. I said, leave the doors unlocked. So I waited for the orderlies to change shifts. Now, this sounds like a movie, but it's so true. So when they change shifts, I just run. I take off. So now I'm running through the hospital, and the people in the hospital are chasing me. And all I'm hearing, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. And I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And I see little Sean, and he jumps in the car, opens the door, and starts taking off. And I dive in the car. Hold on. You forgot a part. I didn't want to say that part. Yeah. So while he's running through the hallway, there's a nurse, a male nurse, with a tray of food. He's barreling down the hallway, knocks him over. The tray goes flying in the air. Food, juices splattering on the wall and everything. It's doctor, nurse, another doctor, someone else that worked there and me, and we're all chasing him out of the building. He barrels through the glass door, and it's like a sliding door, and he throws it off the the hinges. Broke the door. Broke the door. We had to pay for it later. And... (laughs) He jumps into the car. Now, the back door of the car is open. So my view is him on his belly in the back seat of the car, his legs hanging out the car, and the door flailing open. And little Sean, and me, and mind you, I called his parents from Queens. They were there. The three of us are standing on the curb like... I was like, yeah, mama, your son just broke out of the hospital. So you say, well, where am I going to go? So I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to go home. But then I thought about the police are going to be home. So I had nowhere to go. 
So the police, I was supposed to do a club that night. I wasn't going, but the promoter calls me. It was like, hey, there's some cops here looking for you. Said you broke out of hospital. <laughs> so I called the radio station. They're like, hey, police are here looking for you. Said you broke out of hospital. There was a be on the lookout for. That's what they called it. There was a be on the lookout for Rashawn Casey. So I had to go back to the hospital. Because I, I had to be released. If I wasn't released, the police would still look for me. So I, I went back to the hospital. This time they took all my clothes. Now I was butt-ass naked in the hospital now. Because they was like, he is not running away anymore. <laughs> And during that time, Guy and I sat on that hospital bed, and we just talked and, and talked and talked and talked. And um, at this point, again, I cheated on her, and she was being a friend. And she actually signed the papers and got me released, because they were actually going to put me into a crazy home. Remember? Yeah. So she released she released me. And um, when I came home, Rashid called me. Now, well, Rashid... Well, before, before, you, before you go there... While he was in the garage um, and the whole thing with the police coming and whatnot, in the interim, Rashid called back and he said, now mind you, he lives in L.A. He said, I'm on my way to New York. And I was like, what do you mean? Do you have work out here? Or He was like, no, I'm coming to New York and I'm going to stay with you guys for a couple of weeks. Like, we all need to talk. Now, let me tell you what I was saying with Rashid. Rashid didn't like me too much at first, as you can see why. He thought I was too controlling. He was a, a good friend. I was Gia's best friend, and he really didn't like me at first. But after him coming to L.A., he decided, you know what? He had a feeling inside of him. God gave him a feeling and said, I need to come to New York and live with them and stay with them for a couple of weeks so they figure this out, which is real shit because I don't know too many friends that would be like, you know what? I'm an attorney. I'm going to leave work for a little bit, leave my wife for a little bit, my crib, everything I have, and fly to New York to fix their situation and problem. So he did it. And he stayed with us talking nonstop four or five days straight just about our relationship. But one thing that Rashid said and, and made us do is he taught us how to pray. You know, not that we didn't have a relationship with God, but we just, we weren't praying together. I prayed every day, but it was that generic prayer. How do we pray together? We pray every morning before I go to work. Yeah, I wake we... her up, grab her hand, Heavenly Father, thank you for whatever, and we appreciate this, and please bless our children. We do that every morning, yeah. no matter what it is. Sometimes we, we pray morning. two, three times a day now. But then, at the time, it wasn't that kind of prayer. Because at that time, I didn't have a relationship with God. At that time... Not, was... not the right relationship with God. I grew up Catholic. He grew up Baptist. And... It was more God is good, God is great. Thank you for the food we eat. Amen. That was... <laughs> at that time, that's what it was. Do you know what I mean? So, when Rashid came, it was more like, I want you guys to know that, that I'm getting a feeling of positivity from God. Like, God is bringing me here to put you two together and make sure you guys stay together. Now, the thing with that was, remember, I told y'all, Rashid didn't really fuck with me at the point. So I'm like, he did not like you. I know. So I'm all. like, so I'm like, wow. And the conversations with me and Rashid were like, yeah, you need to leave him. He's too jealous. He's too controlling. He's too possessive. I don't know where this is going to go one day. Because he's very... <laughs> yeah. And when he called me, 
he was like, you know what? I'm taking a leave of absence. I don't know how long I'm going to be with you guys, but I'm going to be there as long as it takes. And I'm like, Rashid, I don't want you here. I don't want you to come. Stay in L.A. I need to handle this by myself. I need to get my house under control by myself. Made me cry. And he was like, no, I'm coming. He was like, pick me up at Newark International tomorrow at such and such a time. Go ahead. So, like I said, Rashid gets to the house and we have numerous conversations and we're talking. We're talking about God and talking about negativity and the devil and Rashid brings us a book and we start reading the Bible and it's mad crazy because I was never, I want to say a religious person like that. I was, you know, I grew up, you know, the reason I was Catholic is because, no disrespect to anybody Catholic, but Catholic church is one hour, in and out. <laughs> Baptist church, five hours. First Sunday, six hours. Am I lying? Right. So I really didn't have that relationship, so he gave us that relationship, and we started talking and, you know, started trying to mend the situation, and Gia still didn't believe. Gia was like, yeah, all right. There's, there's, there has to be something. So I remember you taking a shower one day. Well, no, no. Hold on a minute. Because this, for me, was important. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, it was a series of steps, and I can identify everything that got us to the point where we are today. So the first night, Rashid came, and he and I sat in his kitchen, in my kitchen. And I was like, why are you here? He said to me in these words, God sent me here. I said, what do you mean God sent you here? What does that mean? He was like, God sent me here. He spoke to me and I'm like, so wait, so do you hear voices? Like, what does that mean? And he said in these words, and the words are very, very, very important. Tell me if you remember. He said, when God speaks to you, he puts an overwhelming feeling on your heart. And when he sends you to do something, you just do it and you ask no questions. He was like, that's why I'm here. I was like, so you heard no voices. <laughs> now, at that point, Gia still didn't believe, though. No, she, I... I you, she, still, me, she still didn't believe. He told me that on the flight, and he said he's never done this before, but he was so overcome with a spiritual feeling that he was reading the Bible on the plane, walking up and down the aisles where... They thought he was a terrorist. <laughs> but he felt compelled to do it for whatever reason. And I got to tell you, I did not understand that at that time. I'm suspecting that a lot of you might be a lot more spiritually evolved now than I was then, where maybe you understand that. I didn't understand that. So we had to talk. And he taught me about pride. He taught me about forgiveness. And he said, I am here with, and he was like, and you know, I don't like Krishan. I would be the last person that would be here trying to convince you to stay in your marriage, but you must. I don't know why, I don't know for what good, I don't know what to, e to what end, but I know that that's the message that I was given and you have to remain in your marriage. I'm like, but one thing I know is God says that based on infidelity, I can skate. 
God says that in the Bible. That's the one reason he was like, but not this time, Gia. Not this time. So we... Sister Nancy. Thanks, Rashid. <laughs> you know, so Rashid was with us for about, what, five, six, no, seven days? No, he was days? there for about... Two, two weeks, weeks. Two weeks. He's there for two weeks. So during so during these two weeks, there was a, a another woman that that Rashid, that Rashid introduced her to. Her name was Sister Nancy, who's been in our life and who sends us Bible scriptures every morning. Every now. morning at six a.m. And she came by the house serve. just to pray for us and to pray for our house. And when she got to the house, she said the same thing Rashid said, verbatim identical. And like I said, I didn't have any connection to any of this. It wasn't like I paid Rashid on the side and be like, say this, bro. Or I paid sister. It wasn't. It was just straight up and down with these feelings that they got from a higher power, which was something I didn't necessarily believe in or I even thought of at the time. Sister Nancy um, was someone that Rashid vetted. I never met her. Rashawn never met her. But he wanted to confirm that his feelings were right. And she's a spiritual woman, she's a pastor, and he called her and told her briefly of the situation and asked her her opinion. And she prayed on it and got back to him and told him that she had the same message from God. So she came to our house. First time I'm meeting this woman, she sits in our family room and she tells me this. And I was like, yeah, so... I don't think that Rashid really told you exactly what he did. Because as a woman, I'm sure that you would understand me wanting to leave and you wouldn't be sitting here telling me that I need to stay. She said, but I am. I prayed on it and God is giving me a very strong message that you have to stay in this marriage. And I didn't understand, not even then. Still didn't believe. She still didn't believe necessarily. And it was hard for me. I didn't, I didn't get it. So one day, and there were a few other messages. There were a few other signs. There were a few other people that had similar messages. But one day I'm in the shower. And I don't cry often. But it, at this point it was becoming too much. Because now I'm thinking... God is sending me all of these messages, all of these people, all of these signs telling me that I have to stay with someone who betrayed me and I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm in the shower and I'm crying and I'm praying because I just learned how to pray properly. (laughs) And I said, God, can you please give me a sign that I can interpret for myself? You're asking me to do something that's life-changing, and against my will. I appreciate that you're sending loved ones and people that care for us, but I need you to give me a sign that I can interpret because I suspect that he'd probably been trying to communicate with me my whole life, but I was so disconnected that I would have never had a clue as to I wasn't open to receiving it because I didn't know how to communicate with God and I wasn't all the way right in my spirituality. So... I said that prayer, I dried off, and we were still, you know, sleeping in the same bed and everything. And then two days later, Rashawn gets a phone call. Tyrese. (laughs) Brother Tyrese. Transformer Tyrese. (laughs) Fast and Furious Tyrese. Tyrese calls me. Now, I have no relationship with Tyrese. I don't know Tyrese. We don't know each other. He just calls me out the blue like, hey, bro, what's up? So I'm thinking he's going to say, yo, play my record. Now, at the time, 
Tyrese was Tyrese and Black Tie. Black Tie was the rapper version. And I'm like, do I even want to take this call? But I took the call, and he was like, yo, I heard you on the radio, bro. And I'm like, all right. And he was like, I just want to say that, you know, I was praying the other day, and God wanted me to talk to you. And I'm sitting there like, I'm like, what? He's like, God want me to talk to you. I'm like, you talk to Charlemagne or my man? Like, he was like, nah, they, talk, they don't even know why I'm calling you. I just really want to talk to you and talk to your wife and see if I can help. And, it's, you know, I pray a lot, and these are the feelings that I got. And I'm sitting there like, wow. So Tyrese is like, yo, this is what I want you to do. He was like, I want you to, to get the, the private room in Philippe's. He was like, take your wife to dinner. And then when y'all having dinner, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to surprise y'all. So I said, all right. I get the private room. We're having dinner. Tyrese walks down the stairs and he's singing the joint stay. With his backup singer and his guitarist. True story. True story. True story. He walks into this room and he starts singing like he was performing at the Grammys last night. And I am sitting there literally like jaw open. I felt like I must have been dreaming because it was so surreal. And after he was done performing, he sat with us and we ate and we drank and we talked for about four hours. We shut Philippe's down. And during this monumental conversation, he wanted me to understand a man's perspective and how it could be possible that a man can cheat on a woman and it be so easy for him, how it can mean nothing to him and he can still love his wife. Men seem to believe this. <laughs> Men seem to believe this. And he was so passionate about it. And we talked about it to the nth degree. And we talked about marriage and relationships and all types of things. It was such a wonderful conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I said to him, because he told me that he was supposed to be in a wedding. Now, this was on a Tuesday. And he was supposed to be at a wedding rehearsal in Miami that Tuesday. And the wedding was taking place on Wednesday. And I said, you don't know Rashawn. You didn't even know his real name until we sat across the table from each other. You certainly don't know me. You're missing a wedding rehearsal and you have to fly out early tomorrow and put yourself under undue stress to do this for two people that you don't know. Why would you do this? I really need to know. I kid you not, people. He said, God sent me here to do this. Now, we can't make this up. This is all real. Like, this is... I said to him... Crazy. So are you hearing voices? <laughs> this is too much. And he said to me, and I kid you not, because I'm a skeptic, and it's hard to convince me of certain things, especially when it came to um, spirituality and things of that nature. And he said, no. He's like, you don't hear voices. He said, when God speaks to you, it's an overwhelming feeling that he puts on your heart. And when he sends you to do something, you just do it. Let me tell you, 
from the start of this, this was the second time that I cried. Like I sat there and cried and I said, thank you. Because he gave me that sign that I asked him for in the shower. He used the same words verbatim that Rashid used. And I knew that him was saying, that was God saying, all right, be a skeptic about this. Go ahead. And I knew. So when we left, we got in the car and I said, okay, I will forgive you. I was like, I don't. She said, is Tyrese my best friend now? He's a very close friend of ours. And, and listen, it didn't happen overnight. No. I had to learn how to forgive. Because I had the same messed up idea of forgiveness that everybody else has. I forgive, but I don't forget. I don't forget nothing. No, it was... No, it was, you it can was, bring it back up. Oh, it's bad. She yes. brought it back up. No, I bring it up whenever I feel like it. No, you don't understand. Whatever. I go take out the trash, and I'll be like, I'm too tired. Oh, you wasn't too tired? All right. <laughs> I'm going to take the trash out. Oh, oh I want to talk to you for a second. I'm, I'm tired, baby. Oh, you wasn't? All right. I'm not too tired. What you got to say. What you got to say. <laughs> I had to train myself. I had to be disciplined, because learning about pride and learning about forgiveness... Rashid and his wife, Sasha, who's my other, one of my other best friends, they said, once you know better, you have to do better. And at that point, since I believed, I knew. So I had to act on that newfound knowing. And every time I had the urge to do something that I knew I shouldn't have been doing, like punishing him, I had to scale back and say, this isn't what God wants me to do. That's not why we're going through this. That's not why this is part of our journey. And at the time, it was like, everything was about cheating. Every time I turned on the radio, it was a song about cheating. Every time I turned on the TV, it was a show about cheating. Every time that I opened my eyes, it was like cheating was like in my face. No, it was bad. I mean, every time I looked, it was cheating. I'm like, fuck, turn the radio down. Turn the, t- turn the TV on. Like, fuck, turn the TV down. It, everything was about cheating. It's kind of like when you get a new car, like you buy a new Jetta, and then you're on the road, you're like, look at that Jetta, look at that Jetta, look at that Jetta. I know so many Jettas on the street. Who knew Jettas was so popular? It was like cheating was everywhere. And every time that one of those cheating things came up, I would just be like. And I would just be like this. I would have an attitude for like two hours. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. It gave me carte blanche to be as nasty as I wanted to be whenever I wanted to be nasty. I had all types of passes during this. It was tough. It was, during it, this, it was, this, it was, it was, it was tough. Point. But you know, I knew that no matter what, whatever it took to get to the point where we are now, where I was going to go through it because this meant more to me than anything in this world. I mean, and you in a relationship and it was times when we get into an argument and you know, you get into an argument with your girl, your, your, your fiance, there's certain things that they don't say. She was saying those things. Like she might've been like, and your dick small. 
I didn't say that. <laughs> like, all right, you got it. I just, all right, you got it. But that's that's what it was. But we were we were able to. It's not that funny now. Oh, that's that's Mike Bivens. Shout out to Mike Bivens, man. Hey, and his beautiful wife. Hello. So, you know, we got to a point where as bad as we were and as bad as the situation was, it made our relationship stronger. Now, instead of talking, because we all talk in our relationship, we really were having conversations. And it made us stronger as a team where we are able to say, you know, we could talk about all this on a podcast because hopefully it could be beneficial to somebody else that's listening and be like, I'm not the only one that's feeling this way. But let me ask you a question. Are you concerned that I would cheat again? Why are you saying, ooh, this is not a women's march. We're here together. I'm just asking a question. No, because everything that we went through during each step he was praying and begging God to give him another chance so now he doesn't have to worry about me if he cheats he has bigger fish to fry he has to worry about his allegiance with God not his allegiance with me that kind of security is the ultimate security. I would stake my life that he would never do something like that again because I know how much he loves God and how big of a part of his life that God is. So, no, I don't worry about that. All right. I don't worry about that. I love you, baby. And I have to say one thing. I, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason. I really, I really, really believe that. And I've been through a lot of heartbreaking things in my life. And sometimes I feel as though God has to break you down and bring you to your knees like he did with me so that you have no choice but to look up at him and acknowledge him. And like I said before, I believe that he was probably reaching out to me in a lot of ways before, and I couldn't acknowledge it, I couldn't accept it. And he ultimately had to shatter my life and put everything on the line so that I would acknowledge him. So what happened was like a gift and a curse. Because before, I thought that I was so happy I had everything that I wanted. I had two beautiful children. I had my husband who treated me like a queen, even though I didn't know that he was someone else when he walked through the door. At home, I was happy, I was good. And the type of happiness that I have now, that couldn't even compare. We were so busy trying to be perfect for each other and do everything just right, just right, just right. After that, we are so real with each other. We talk about anything and everything. We are truly friends. And now we have the gift of God in our life. And we needed that gift because we needed to be able to give that to our children. Because they were coming up in a house where we were saying generic prayers. 
and God couldn't even influence us or our children. Now they have the gift of God. They have the gift of righteousness. They have the gift of a different kind of love, that love that he and I experience now. I'm more in love with him than I ever was before. Than I ever was before. And then it's like that reciprocity. The more love I give him, the more love he gives me. And I feel like our life and our love and our marriage is like this flower that's like constantly blooming. It's constantly growing and it's constantly getting better because those walls of perfection are all shattered. And we don't care about being perfect for each other anymore. Now we just care about being real. Even if being real is fucked up at times, it doesn't matter. Like that's who we are for each other. So believe me when I tell you, it is a gift and a curse for me. But I'm happy. When I say my prayers now, I thank God that we went through that. I thank God for all of that. Because I would have never came out on this end with what I have now. So thank you. There you have it. All right. Give it up for my baby, Miss Gia. I love you. Today's episode of the Casey Crew is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. You want to sleep right? You want to sleep good? The perfect mattress for you is Casper. Now, with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And best of all, you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. That's right, everything. You'll get all your bread back. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com crew and using the offer code crew. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Terms and conditions apply. That's www.casper.com crew and offer code crew and get $50 off towards any new mattress from Casper Mattresses. Now, it's perfect for sleeping and sleeping with your wife, all right? Casper Mattresses. Check it out. Let's ask questions. Who had questions? If you got questions about your relationship, we done with ours. We ain't talking about cheating no more. This is positive. If you got questions with your relationship, what's your question? Put the mic to Put the mic. Give her the mic. Give her the mic. Give her the mic. Give her the mic. My question is for you, Do you check his phones or emails and stuff like that now? No. just complete trust? Complete trust. And also... My personal feeling, and I don't knock anyone who gets their detective on, but for me, I won't resort to having to do that. If I feel in my relationship that it gets to a point where I have to do that, then he's not the person I need to be with. But don't get it twisted. Her code is my code. We got the same codes on both our phones, so it stays on the bed. I mean, I could, but I would feel so inadequate and low personally if I felt like I had to pick up his phone and scroll through it go in the garage and be like I wouldn't do it ladies You're never welcome. check the phone check the bill they come in the mail you can see every fucking <laughs> step your game up bitch just step your game up let's go any other question you gotta talk loud She said threesomes. Go ahead. We, yeah, she uh, said she was. Her question is about threesomes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> well, my question is: so we talked about it in the shower, and after our seven minutes, it just touched his heart. 
Oh, that's nice. So he's like, well, you don't want to have the threesome. What if I have the threesome So he gets four. He gets two and a spectator. Oh, damn. <laughs> What would be the joy? I'm not gonna threesome. I'm not gonna answer that because I'm not gonna mess up this thing he got going on over there. But you say, what would be a joy? I feel you. I feel you, nigga. Some niggas ain't got enough dick for one pussy, let alone two. Like, nigga, you got a one bitch dick, nigga. I don't know what the fuck you thought you had. Barely enough dick for me. You want to share this shit? Without getting graphic. I'm sorry, I was raised. Everybody's over 21 here, right? Yeah, just making sure. Without getting graphic, could this is going to be, uh. All right, without being graphic, could you imagine a female on your testicles and another female on your penis, how that would feel? At the same time. I mean, I, I understand the appeal of it, but I think that if you succumb to that appeal, then it's just poison in your marriage. Don't it's, mess up his what he yes, got going on there. I, now, I'll be honest. I can't see my wife with another person, male or female. I'm too emotional, too jealous. My whole feeling is if Wait, that you girl... Can, you can see me with another female? I said not a female or a male. Neither. You would be jealous of a female? Yes, a female will know how to eat your box better than me. Awesome. Wow. I'll awesome. be honest. Then you got to switch it up and eat the ass. Nigga, come on. Innovate. Cultivate, nigga. Eat the booty like gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do eat the booty, but I'm going to say oh, That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Sorry, baby. Stand sorry. Up for these Some stuff stuff is just not necessary. Sorry. sorry. That's your Spanish side. Spanish niggas eat the pussy and the ass. I'm, that's what it is. Look at him. He eat the ass, too. Look at him. <laughs> That nigga crack a bitch ass up and go, una palabra, no dice nada, porque la lluvia. Oh my goodness. You got a question, bro? Yeah. So, my question. Is that Danny over there? Danny, is that you? Oh my goodness. You asking questions? You can call me. No, I'm just playing. Go ahead, Danny. My question is with insecurity, because I dealt with insecurity with my relationship. Well, it was on my part, it was on her part. Based on what y'all went through, do you feel that afterwards, the insecurity came? For me? Yeah, because you was you know, you have to be lacking in yourself as a human being to engage in that type of act. Because it's very easy. Like, if you want to do that, you have carte blanche. But a stand-up person will end the relationship that they're in before they delve into anything else. So I knew that. I wasn't worried about Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Do I not look this? Do I not? I didn't, I didn't care because I was doing the best that I could do as a wife and a mother. So no, I never dealt with the insecurity, but I can understand it. I can absolutely understand how if 
Your man cheats on you or your woman cheats on you. You're trying to rationalize it. You're trying to make sense of it. Why did it happen? How could it happen? And then you doubt yourself and you doubt every contribution that you've made to that relationship. And you say, well, maybe this wasn't good enough. Meanwhile, it doesn't have to be about that. A lot of times he said that he cheated because he could, because I made it so easy for him. You know, he's, he has a show. He has to leave the house at 11, 11.30. He's there at 1 o'clock until 2. He has to be on air or up prepping for it at 5.30 for a 6 o'clock live show. And he's calling me like, oh, um, I'm going to come home. I'm on my way. And I'm like, no. Why don't you get a hotel? Stay in the city. It'll be easier for you. You don't sleep. I made it so easy for him to do what he did. So, I mean, I, I understand everything that you're saying, but, and I understand the insecurity, but I just, I didn't feel that. All right. Any other questions? What's up, bro? He fucks like a lion, but she lays like a lamb. You want to you answer? Yeah, I think you should answer that one. Well, this is where you're going to have to teach her certain moves. And, and I'll be honest with you, right? She's not here, right? She's not here, is she? Oh, okay. she is here. She is here? All right. Well. She's here? Yeah, I think so. Oh, no, she's not here. She's not here. Well, what you got to do is you got to, you got to, you got to connect with your person sexually. You know what I mean? You got to do things and communicate. So, for instance, you know, the other day I opened up the window, put Gia's head out the window, back shots. Different. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The other day, uh, in, the blizz- in the blizzard all day, snow hitting on her forehead. You know, just sometimes you got to do things like that and let her know, look, that's what it is. She's sleeping, you come back late. You, you sneak the covers off, you open her ass and hey. Come on, Rashawn. Sorry, sorry. I'm just telling you, you gotta be, you know, just. All right, next question, bro. Now, I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And we are the Casey Crew.